You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Well, Happy New Year. On this first weekend of 2019, I want to make you a promise. I want to promise you that if you will make the three top investments that Jesus tells us about, it won't just be that at the end of this year, watch this, all the way to the end of your life, you will look back and say, those were the three best investments I ever made. We're part two in a three-part series. Last weekend, seek first the kingdom of God, and all the other things will find the rightful place. Priorities. This weekend, investments. Investments. Now, how many were at our New Year's Eve gathering? This place was packed. We're celebrating people. How many were here? Wasn't that a great time together? Now, somewhere between my opening video rap and my closing live rap, I heard Pastor Jonathan say, too often going into a new year is a rinse and repeat experience. It's true. We have such good intentions. Beginning of a new year, not going to do what I did last year. Clean slate. A month later, we find ourselves doing the exact same things we did last year. Rinse and then repeat. The truth is, watch this now, we cannot do 2019 better and different if we just do the same things the same way that we did them in 2018. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, you have the outcomes. You, you reap what you, you harvest what you plant. If you're going to have outcomes that are, are good and, and profitable and, and, and result in good things at the end of 2019, it all depends on what you do right now at the beginning of 2019. And, and there's no way any of us are going to have the best year ever if we don't make the top three investments that Jesus talks to us about. The first one, no surprise, it's taking, not just praying like we did last year, but taking our prayer life to a whole new stage, a whole new level. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He says, but when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So Jesus answers three questions that give us a lot of confidence about making this investment in prayer. The first question he answers is, how do we know God is listening? I mean, if you're going to make an investment in prayer, how do you know God is listening? Secondly, what prayers does God respond to? Let's focus on praying what gets his attention and his response. Third, does God answer every prayer? First, how do I know God's listening? But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Why does Jesus say, though, to go into your room, close the door? Uh, Why does he say that? Because there were a lot of people that he encountered who, when they prayed, get this, they weren't even talking to God. You say, who were they talking to? They were either talking to themselves, 
trying to make themselves feel spiritual by saying this prayer, or they were talking to others. They're trying to do a performance with their prayer. And uh, so Jesus tells a story about two men and their prayers to correct this a little bit. He says, first, there was this guy whose prayer was an exercise in self-exaltation. Listen to how, listen, listen to how Jesus says this guy starts his prayer. He says, I fast twice a day and pay tithes religiously. Real humility. What a way to start a prayer. And Jesus said his prayer was so weighted down with prideful self-congratulations that it didn't even make it past the ceiling. God did not hear that prayer. But he said there was another man who was there. And he said, God, I'm not worthy. I fail. I need your mercy. He said, God heard that prayer immediately. God was listening. Listen to what Jesus says to people who pray for, you know, piety enhancement or public performance purposes. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners, in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. God's not listening. No response from God. Because watch this now, prayer is not talking to ourselves. Prayer is not talking to other people. Prayer is talking to Father God. He is our audience. He's the one that we're praying to. And, and so we just need to make sure we understand because you know, when you pray, go into your room, close the door. Why would he say, go into your room and close the door? Does that mean that all of our prayers that God hears are only the private prayers? Does that mean at the end of this service, and I'll go and pray with those who are online, but people can come to the front at the end of this service, their pastors, elders, prayer team will be here. Does that mean if you come up and you have a need on your heart uh, for your health or someone you care about or something you're facing, and you, you, give the, you tell the person on the prayer team your need, and they'll say, I'll be right back. I got to go off into the room, Jesus said, and pray privately and I'll come right back. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus is the one who taught us that sometimes it's not just a matter of saying, my Father who is in heaven, but our Father. He teaches us corporate prayer. Jesus is the one that said, if two or three of you would agree together in prayer, I'll be there and I'll do what you ask. Jesus is the one that teaches us group prayer, small group prayer. And, and the Bible teaches pray with all kinds of prayer. Pastor Jonathan and I are so excited about the series we're, gonna, we're going to begin two weeks from now. And it's all about this whole area of taking new steps. We're going where you've never gone in prayer. It's, it's called skip the small talk. And, and, and already uh, that book that is a complimentary reading to the series we're going into. Hundreds of you have that book. I saw lineups last weekend after Pastor Jan told you about the prayer journal. Our small groups are going to be tracking with the series with us. It's going to be, there's, everyone in this room is going to be able to say, I have resources to take my prayer life to, to a, a level it's never been before. Every one of us will have that opportunity. You know, don't, be, don't 
Don't get stuck in last year's prayer. Say, God, I want my prayers to go to a new level. Don't be like the two guys who went outside the city of Toronto and, and were driving and saw a beautiful field, a farmer's field on the side of the road. And so they got out of their car and said, let's take a walk. They jumped the fence and they were walking a good distance across this field and they began to hear a dog barking. But it was in the distance. Then they heard it barking closer and then closer. Turned around and saw this ferocious dog coming right at them menacingly. And they began to run and run. They looked back and realized they were not going to make it to the fence. And one guy said, do you know how to pray? The other guy said, yeah, but I only know one prayer. The guy, he said, whatever it is, pray it now. Okay, Lord, what, for what we are about to receive, make us truly thankful. <laughs> See, don't get stuck in prayers that... You know, just this one kind of prayer. I, I, I know this prayer. Bless us for and no more. You know, don't get stuck there. Let's learn to pray with all kinds of prayer. Now listen to this. Jesus is saying here so far, all you got to do to make sure that God is listening is make sure God's the one you're talking to. Isn't that wonderful? He listens to every one of us who really want to talk to him. All right, what about prayers... Um, that get a response from God. What prayers does God respond? How many think he responds to the loudest prayers? The most emotionally intense prayers. The most flowery and articulate prayers. How many thinks he responds to the longest prayers? Listen to Jesus. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus is saying that some people treat prayer like a hockey game, more shots on goal, more likely to score. You know, if I just say a lot of words, some of them got to get through to the throne of grace. Listen, the problem with that perspective, how many understand God's not a goalie trying to stop good things from happening? God wants us to reach our goals and objectives. How many know God wants us to have the best year ever? He's not a goalie. He's a father who wants the best for his children. So what kinds of prayers did God answer? Just those that have honest faith in them. Because you pray to your father who is unseen. You see, how can a God who's stuck in the material realm help people who are in the material realm? He has to be above and beyond the realm that we are in to move in and help us out. And that's why a Christian doesn't pray to idols or anything that is seen. A Christian doesn't uh, light candles to increase the probability that God will hear and answer. We don't pray through saints thinking that on their merits, how many know it's on the merits of Jesus Christ, our one and only mediator between us and God, that Father God, who is unseen, hears our prayers. That, that, that's the prayer that God responds to. So God's listening, as long as we're really talking to him. Uh, God responds to whatever faith we have in him. And then third, does God always answer prayer? How many have ever wondered, if I ask for this God, what if it's not the best thing? You know the future, I don't. What if I'm asking for something I'm not ready to receive? You know, sometimes we're a lot like the children on the recent Tim Horton commercials. Have you seen them? You know, Dad, can I, this is seven or eight year olds. Dad, can I drive? Mom, can I have a tattoo? Mom, can I have a little brother? How many know on that one she says, no. <laughs> Every parent who loves their children knows that no is a valid answer. And God loves you. And sometimes he'll say no, but it's always because he wants what is best for you. Now, did you notice that the most rewarding investment that you can make in the new year is a guaranteed investment? 
guaranteed by Jesus. Look, look, look at this. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Guaranteed by Jesus. You see, here's what we're saying. We saw this the first week. If you and I will shut the door on distractions and lesser priorities... Seek first his kingdom. What we're seeing today, if we'll shut the door on pride and our will and what we want and performance praying, if we'll shut the door to that, to invest in real conversations with a real God who is unseen but who loves us, you know what he'll do? Guaranteed, we'll shut the door, he will open the door to the best year ever. How many are ready to make that first investment? I, I want to invite you to listen, first of all, to a declaration, and then we'll say it aloud and together, okay? It's all about this prayer life investment, all right? I'm confident every time I pray, something happens that otherwise would not have happened. Ready to say it aloud and together with me? Declare it now. I'm confident Every time I pray, something happens that otherwise would not have happened. Now, two of our pastors are going to join me, Pastor Richard, Pastor Austin. Let's find out from them if this really works, okay? This first investment really works. Now, so here's what I'm going to ask it. Have you pastors ever had someone, maybe no one knew about it, maybe it was on the platform or it was, it was just in private, Somebody went into prayer privately and made an investment in you that had results. Absolutely. I can think of there was a couple in Ottawa when I was new to my faith, Jim and Mary. I remember them. I can still see their faces. They would just do that. They would come up. They'd say, you know what, Austin, we're praying for you. They were, it wasn't on a stage. There wasn't a lot of fanfare. Sometimes they would just pull me aside and pray for me right there in that moment. And they were taking this time to invest in me and invest in my future. And it was such an incredible moment. And I can look back and see how much that took for them just to humbly do that. That was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, look at your spiritual growth. And here you are leading other people as a pastor in spiritual growth. What would have happened if they had not made that investment, you know? It's just, it's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it was back in Montreal when, when I was a youth and a bit younger, and I would sit in the back, but uh, there were the guys, that, the elders and the, those who were in seniors and mature in faith, they, they would do the prayers up front for the church family, but I would be in the back because I wasn't interested to go up. But they would go to me, and they would pray for me and, and ask me just how, hard things, how, how's, how's life doing, how's school, and I would tell them, and they would, you know they prayed for you because they would tell me the following weekend and check in on me. You know, how's the test? How are you feeling today? Um, and so I so appreciate how much they invested in me in prayer and just keeping me in mind throughout the week um, thinking of me, you know? Totally. And uh, again, where would we be today without that investment? Where will people be tomorrow if people aren't investing in them today? You know, at the end of this year, there's going to be good stuff happen that will be because people made the investments. Now, every time we talk about one of these investments, we're going to give our church family opportunities to take action, you know, to take that step, to make that investment. Uh, Pastor Austin, can you just sort of give us an overview of opportunities that we can do sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. You heard Pastor Jonathan talk about our week of prayer. So on the 14th to the 17th, we're meeting in the chapel from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And then on the Friday, having a concert of prayer here. It was a great opportunity to come and pray and join other people and pray. We have a regular Thursday morning. They meet at 6 a.m. 
Seven, we get to sleep so, in. So you could not come for You could come at 6 a.m. Uh, you could. Um, most people <laughs> won't. We have our Thursday morning. We have Friday evening. We have our prayer wall online. These are great opportunities that we have to share requests, have other people praying for you. It's just amazing to see what God is doing when people are using those avenues to have prayer. Hmm. So, so that's the, the prayer investment that we can all make. It's going to make a difference, and uh, we're never going to have our best year without that prayer investment. No way. Now, there's a second investment that we, that we need to make if we're going to have the best year ever. Do you want to talk to us Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. We see, just in this teaching, uh, Jesus is talking in Matthew 6. He's, he's up on the mountain. It's called the Sermon on the Mountain. He's preaching to a group of his followers, and he's saying, listen, you can, prayer is an amazing investment that you can do. The other one is giving. He talks about their money and possessions. In Matthew 6, he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is teaching his followers what his kingdom looks like, what investing in his kingdom looks like, actually would have been quite shocking for them to hear, don't store up, don't hoard your treasures here on earth, invest them in my kingdom. In that time period, it was an agrarian society, there's a lot of farmers. For you to have security, you would have had a big storehouse, meant you were able to store lots of stuff, that meant you had security. You took your treasures, you buried them in the ground, or you hid them away. If an invasion came, you could get your treasures, you could get out of there, that was your security. If famine came and you had a lot of food stored away, that was your security. And Jesus is saying, don't hoard it all for yourself, that's not what my kingdom looks like. Now for us today, I'm hoping that most of us aren't out in the backyard digging holes and storing our stuff. We don't have lots of crops and storehouses. But that allure of stuff can still be a pull. I know for myself, my wife isn't here, so I can say, I'm the spender in our family. It's spent before it's in my pocket. I remember my first like, full-time job after I finished high school. I was working at a factory. I was making some pretty good money. Paid the little bills that I had to pay, and then it went. I don't even think it hit my pocket. It just burned a hole right through it. It was gone. And I understood that I should give, but I'll be honest, uh, there would be those moments in church where oh, I didn't go to the bank before, I didn't have, I don't have a checkbook on me, I couldn't. I'd always kind of be playing catch up. And the allure of stuff was a pull. It's been a pull for me. And for a lot of us, it can be that way. We can find our security and our bank balance. RSP counters, how much do I need to have by this time? We can find our security in the home that we might own, where we live. Stuff can have this allure for us. But Jesus is saying, don't invest your treasures here on earth. Invest them in my kingdom. I love what he says. He doesn't say don't have treasures. He doesn't say treasures are bad and you shouldn't have any. But he says you need to direct where your treasures are being invested. It's, it's amazing how he then says, here's why you can do that. We see that giving. Throughout scriptures, we see that God is a giving God. He's there. He's giving for us. We see the example of Jesus, our ultimate gift. God is a giving God. So when we're giving, we're showing God's character. 
And when we can understand that, we have this opportunity to show God's character. Giving is so incredible. And Jesus then goes in this where he's up on the mountain, he's teaching these followers. He, sh- he tells us why we can give. He says, listen, the birds, they're fed. How much more important are you than the birds? The lilies in the field, they're clothed. They looked better than Solomon ever could. How much more important are you than those flowers or those birds? Jesus says, listen, your heavenly father, he knows what you need. He's, my paraphrase is he's got you. So with that, understanding that I have an opportunity to give, I can show God's character. I have this security knowing that, okay, God's got me. I can be very open-handed with those treasures, with whatever God has entrusted to me. Jesus then goes on and he says, here's why you need to do that. Here's why you need to be open-handed. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. The things that are most highly treasured occupy the heart. That center of our personality, embracing our mind, our emotions, and will. Thus, the most cherished treasures subtly but infallibly control the whole person's direction and values. When I'm investing my treasures in me and accumulating, my heart is led to just the stuff that is here on earth. When I I pray, God, I want to give you my heart, sometimes my heart is a bit prone to wander. I can then, through giving, I can direct my heart. I can say, you know what, heart, you need to be invested in God's kingdom. My heart follows along. I have this incredible opportunity. So this year, I want to have my best year ever. And I know a part of that is investing through prayer. I know a part of that is investing through giving. So I have a declaration. I'd invite you to join me in saying it. I'm going to read it. And then I invite you to join me as well. It says, I'm open-handed, wanting to invest what God has entrusted to me into his kingdom priorities. I'd invite you to say this with me. I'm open-handed, wanting to invest what God has entrusted to me in his kingdom priorities. Okay, pastors, I got a confession to make. Confession's good for the soul. When we got together to plan for this, and we were talking about giving, I just thought, you know, these young pastors aren't going to have any good giving stories. Like (laughs) Keith and Esther, when we started in ministry, we knew how to faithfully give, and we were tested Man, was I wrong. You, you guys, uh, you sincerely inspired me. And uh, t- tell us a couple, just a, we talked about a lot of stories. Tell us a couple of them. Clearly, this was something that I had to learn. So my wife and I, we had to discipline ourselves in giving. So we automated our giving. Okay, so that would just come out. We got to this point in our marriage, our children, our first two are 15 months apart. I took some paternity leave with our daughter I went, I took some time off a couple weeks. My wife then, when our son was, was a couple weeks before he was due, she took mat leave. She had it, she calculates it all out, so everything's going to line up. That week I got laid off. So I lost my job. My wife's on mat leave, so she's making 45% of her income. Because I had taken time off, I didn't have enough hours to qualify for assistance. So we're 45% of Marilyn's income. During that time, she actually got in a car accident, wrote the car off, so she's eight and a half months pregnant. We're on 45% of one income. I'm, panic kind of sets in. 
When the police knock on your door and tell you your wife's been in a car accident, I, I went to crisis mode thinking, what have I done? It was incredible. In that moment, we had faithfully been giving. We had to adjust our giving just because of circumstances, but that where God knew our needs. He knew what we needed and he provided. He knew exactly what we needed and he would provide. When the $900 bill came for our oil to heat our home and you panic, how are we going to... He knew what we needed and he provided. And that just, his faithfulness, it was such an encouragement for us. Yeah. Isn't it neat how his eyes really are upon us? But we don't really have a chance to know that experientially until we hit something like that, you know? You went through a totally different but similar situation. Yeah. Three years ago before I got to Toronto, I was actually in Indonesia, uh, went back because we had some immigration issue for my wife to be able to come to Montreal back then. Um, and so I was an English teacher full-time, but I was also the worship pastor for a local church. Um, and anyway, so it was a week of pay, I remember it, and we paid everything. I had some bills in Montreal, and we took care of everything. But there was a moment where we looked at each other, and we're like, wait, wait a minute, we didn't, pay our, we didn't pay our tithes yet. And it would mean that we, we won't have enough for the next two weeks if we had given. And I'm human, so I was so hesitant to want to transfer the money, and we went back and forth, and, and finally we just, we just gave, and I was stressed, I was scared, I was worried. So that weekend, uh, I was leading worship for the church, and there was this couple, uh, a family actually from the Ukraine, but they were in uh, the States, and they were, when they're in Indonesia, they would be in the church. So they were just so kind to both Phoebe and I, they would come in, come see me after worship or after service, just say, hey, praying for you, uh, looking out for you, how's everything going, and just so kind to us. Um, but that particular weekend, as, same as usual, his name was Arvis, he came up to me after service, and he just said, hey, thanks again for worship, it was great, blah, 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 and then he, he took out a couple of bills out of his pocket. Well, Pastor Keith, I had, like, in our account, we probably had 30, 40 Canadian dollars left for two weeks. It's quite a lot if you're in Indonesia, it's about 400,000 rupiah, but it's not that much. Uh, so anyways, he's like, hey, you know what? Grab it, keep it in your pocket. And what he said to me was, why don't you treat your wife to a nice dinner tonight? Just take her out on me, but don't tell her it's on me. Take her out and just have a good date. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll do it. And, and left it in my pocket, clean up after service, went to the parking lot, we had a little motorcycle, and, and before I hopped on, I didn't want the money to fly out of my pocket, so I just took it out of my pocket and I gave it to Phoebe. And 30, 40 bucks in our account, we had 50 bucks. And Arvis was just giving us that above what we needed, and, and it, was just so, it was just enough for the two weeks that we had before the next pay. Uh, it was a lot of fried rice, enough for me to take care of those needs and food and whatnot, but it, it was just an incredible moment for me to, like God was just, honoring my faith, even though it was so little and it was so, you know, I was like ah, hesitant, whatever, but he was able to still honor me and just gave me enough for the two weeks for both of us uh, to get through. So that was, that was incredible for me, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, we'll never have those outcomes unless we exercise faith and just say, Jesus, this is what you said about giving? What Pastor Austin talked about? I'm going to do it. Now, w walk us through uh, because there could be people who say, okay, 2019, I am going to trust what Jesus says about giving. How would they get started? There's a couple of ways that you can do that. If you're joining us online, you actually can give online. If you regularly come, you can give online. You can text to give. 
There's a number, 647-559-4302. You can text that number and it'll direct you. You can actually, through your bank, set up as a payee, and you can give through your banking, online banking, telephone banking. There's something called checks or cash. You can actually put them in an envelope and put that in, they pass plates and you can put it in the offering. I think I've seen those guys around. There's a giving kiosk just outside the door. You can use your debit card or your credit card and you can give through there and there's little giving boxes that you can drop that in. There's gifts and kinds, there's estate giving. There's a lot of different ways that you can give. If you have any questions, please, that's the extent of my knowledge right there is that list. There's an email address that you can email give at onechurch.to and they'll help you and they'll help you just get set up on how you can give regularly. Okay, so three top investments Jesus talks about. Praying, giving, what else? Yeah, we have serving. And uh, so the passage that I have is from Mark 10, verse 43. And it says, uh, but among you will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. So let's be honest here, right? For me, the words slave and servant aren't really words that would entice you to want to follow Jesus and follow Christ. When I was young and I was a new believer, youth, whatever, these, are, these were difficult teachings for me to grasp and to apply in my life because it would mean that I would take the biggest L if I would actually apply it in my life. It's, it's teachings in Matthew like, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Like, I'm, here I am a new believer and I'm like, come on, Really? Or the best one when I was a youth, I remember I was reading this, Matthew 5.38 says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. That's it, got it. It's more, that's, I'm used to that, right? But then it goes on, it says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, you punch them in the gut. It's my version. But if it doesn't say that. It says, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone, anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. I'm in Canada, Montreal, minus 40. It's not going to happen. <laughs> right? But for me to really understand this passage and to uh, really apply it, I needed to look at co- the context and why Jesus used such strong words and statements like that. And, and so I did. So I read a little bit further back, and, and we see a story, a story of two sons, right? Sons of Zebedee, James and John. And they were guys that I could honestly relate to, right? You fight for what you need. You, earn, you, you have to earn it. You have to fight for it and, and earn something. And so they went to Jesus with full boldness, and they said, listen, Jesus, we want to call shotgun. We want the spot on your left, on your right. We want the, the, the best seats in the house in your glorious throne. That's what we're asking you. And so Jesus, in his own way, he, he takes this opportunity to, to teach us a lesson, to teach them a lesson, the disciples, and, and even me. For me, when I look at the passage now and I'm, I'm, I'm learning about it, I'm reading it, I believe the core passage here and what te- Jesus is trying to teach us is humility. And uh, it, humility is an, it's an area that I struggle with most, especially when I was younger and I was a new believer. And my wife would tell you that I still struggle with pride. That's just the reality of it, right? But I, I love this quote, and I know you've heard it over and over from our pastors here. Uh, C.S. Lewis would say, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. I've seen pride in my own life, in the lives of people that I've walked with, 
it can destroy relationships, families, work environments, just different areas in our lives. I think though, the reason why I struggle most with pride and, and humility, especially with my relationship with Jesus, is that with humility, it would mean that I have to elevate Jesus just a little bit higher than me. And I kind of like me. I like my way and not his way, his goals, the way he does finances, the way he does things. I, I like the way I do things. It means more of his plans. And, and Jesus knew this about me. He knew this about these two guys that were so bold. And he knew this about us. And so in his own unique way, he helps and he shows us the right exercises. It's a new year, right? The right exercises that we need to do to build this core muscle of humility to be more like him and to, to remove pride slowly out of our lives, to keep us in shape and to be more like him. So how? The question is how? What are the machines? What are the routines? What are the things that I need to do to get in shape and to build humility in my life? What well, it says it's in the passage, by being different, by being servants and slave of everyone else. Strong words. Just the way Jesus just uses those words to really make a point here for us. And, and these exercises, they work the right muscles, right? The muscle of humility. And I found in my life when I work on those muscles, I begin to truly understand how much Jesus loved me. And it's part of this, this journey, right? And to see like him, to see other people in my life like he would, to love unconditionally when it's tough, uh, what I love most about Jesus and the way he displayed this in the passages in the, in, in the Bible is the moments that he stops. I think the, the, the hardest commodity for us to sacrifice, especially being in Toronto, is time. And Jesus, over and over in the, in the, in the Bible, he would, he would show us that in the midst of the crowd, the busyness, and he's getting ready to teach, he would stop. And he would find people to show them and heal them, heal them not only physically but spiritually. And it's, it's, it's encouraging for me to see that. So when I serve others in the church and care for them and love them, not only do I get to invest in people, and many of you guys who have been in faith way longer than I have, you've seen this, the people that you've prayed for, the people that you've served, the people that you cared for and loved, you've seen them transform and just do a turnaround in their lives and they're, and they're becoming more like Jesus. What a reward it is, and I know you know that. But more than that, we we're actually investing in ourselves. We're, we're becoming this Christ-like person that, that Paul was saying, a new person in Christ, becoming more mature and growing. Um, and so, again, a moment of honesty here. There's still moments that I do forget, especially being in this line of ministry of creative and music and performance. I think before, I don't know what it was, just maybe the way I was raised in the music world and, and being from the States and, and all of that, but... For me, when I was serving, when I was up here on the stage, it was for you to worship me. It was for you to come up to me and say, hey, good job. The applause, is, I was craving that, honestly. And, but for me now, as Jesus through the Holy Spirit was just killing that old self, killing the pride, and building humility in my life, worship is a moment for me to, to help all of us look up to Jesus and to worship him, to give him the glory, to sing truths, that will encourage us throughout the week. It's a, it's a privilege for me to be able to serve, serve you in whatever capacity it is that I get to do. And so, uh, so in moments that I do forget, and that needle of between pride and humility, and I'm leaning towards pride, and I'm getting fat and puffed up of pride and, and all of that, I think to the next thing that Jesus says in, in verse 45, he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, and I'm included in that. It's this ultimate display and powerful display of love, sacrifice, servanthood, humility, and he did it for you and me. So can it be the best year ever? I believe so. I think it can be. And as we serve and we build this muscle of humility and we take different opportunities of serving, I think we can daily become the best version of ourselves that God sees in us, the potential, the fullest potential in this, in this whole process of us growing so I want to encourage you, and this is my declaration, to find moments, maybe today, maybe throughout the week, the ups and downs and different things that life hits us, maybe this year, for us to, to, to say this over our lives. And I'm going to say it, and I'm going to invite you to just say it with me. I will humbly love and serve the people that are in my life. I'm going to invite you to say it. I will humbly love and serve the people that are in my life. And we can always look and think to Jesus and how he humbly loved and served us first. Yeah. Good, Pastor Rich. Now, for all of us, Jesus is number one hero, right? But a lot of people think pastors, it'd be like Billy Graham or Augustine or some Dietrich Bonhoeffer, somebody who just gave their life in such a heroic way. But as we got talking, getting ready for today, all three of us on the same page, some of our biggest heroes are people in our church family. And people in our church families past. For me, it's often been deacons. I've had deacons that behind the scenes sacrificed and served. I remember one in Edmonton. Uh, you know, if a new person was in the church, maybe it was a bit awkward and new. I remember one time a guy came and sat in the, the front row. Obviously, everything was new to him. Guess who left his wife and went and sat beside him? It was Seth Drisner in Edmonton. Uh, one time he was the treasurer and we had glass. Uh, so you can see right into the lobby, glass instead of a brick wall, you can see right out in the lobby. And I always knew when we had a really good offering. Because <laughs> he'd be out there walking back and forth just with his hands up, pray, not even listening to his pastor, you know, <laughs> out there just praising the Lord. And so, but he just was always serving, serving, serving. One day I said to him, I said, Seth, you know, you're one of my, my heroes. I want you to know how thankful I am for what you do around here. He says, oh, no, 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 I enjoy it. As if in order for me to appreciate it, he had to not to have enjoyed it. <laughs> but you, you've got heroes too. Absolutely. There's so many people that I can think of that are heroes. We've had leaders on our Wednesday night programs who live in Mississauga and they work in Mississauga and they'll fight traffic to come and serve on a Wednesday night. If you fight traffic, if you're driving from downtown and you're coming to serve, that's a hero. We have people that are... They'll rearrange their work schedule, their kids' extracurricular activities to serve at our food bank. They'll give time above and beyond. We have people in the parking lot. We have toddlers. If you're serving in the toddler room, I've been in there, you're a hero. If you're in the nursery, you're a hero. Those, like those, there's so many people, camera operators in the cafe. There's just so many that just come. They give their gifts and they're so willing. We have people that serve our volunteers. They serve the servants. That's an amazing, like that's a hero to me, somebody who's willing to do that. There's just so many people here that, that do that week in and week out. Yeah, and Pastor, talk to us about some heroes in the making. We have some areas of need in our church right now where people could move in and be a hero. Yeah, I, I, I think of just even recently the, the opportunity that I had to lead 
a group of youth and young adults to the Dominican Republic, and what an experience. But to be honest with you, and I said this to them when we were making the video, uh, just to recap everything, I was saying to them, like, there was a moment before I hop on the plane where I was so, I wasn't confident in them and in myself and how they're gonna do this. We're gonna be in two different places leading kids, and I'm like, there's no way, there's no chance of it. But uh, God just took the opportunity, the moment to, I remember we were in the second church, and uh, it was just a, a poor area, Pastor Keith, and, but seeing the kids the second day just with full smile running to the church, running to the truck that we were riding in and just so excited, so happy to be there. And, um, and I was taking photos the second day and I stepped back and I, I saw youth just on the floor, like coloring with kids and young adults that are just displaying and, and they didn't even lick, a, they didn't even speak a lick of Spanish except for one, <laughs> but they were able to communicate the love of Jesus to them by what they were doing. And so it was a powerful moment for me to see the next generation just serving and understanding how much Jesus loved them and how much he served us and humbly did that. And so it was just a really good moment for me to see that. What are some ways that people, they're listening to us, yeah. they're saying, I, I'd like to serve? OneChurch.co slash serve. Uh, it's, a, it's a website link that we have. And it just lists for you guys, for us, all of us, to, to be able to go in there and see the different opportunities. And there'll be a quick questionnaire for you, for us to get to know you and plug you in into the right uh, ministry or right opportunities from next generation to cafe to hospitality, just creative. And, and if, you, if you love that music, so many ways that we can plug you in and, and be able to work that muscle of humility. Right on. Yeah. So uh, we began today. Do you remember the promise I made you at the outset that if you will uh, do those three top investments that Jesus gives us, you'll end not just this year, but the end of your life, you will be able to say those were the best investments I've ever made. Now, watch this. Don't watch them. I've been with people near the end of their life, and I've had the privilege of hearing them talk about their life and talk about things they wish they had done differently, sometimes even regrets. The same two things that they would do differently always come up. Pastor, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. Yeah. And I remember, you know, Pastor Keith, your kids are young. Don't do what I did. Do as I say, kind of a thing. Spend time with your family. The second area that they would do differently, I, I, it's, it's, it's always there. I wish I had done more for the Lord. What were they talking about? Praying, giving, and serving. Wish I had done. I've never been with someone in the final moments of their life or, you know, coming near the end of their life. I've never heard one of them say to me, Pastor Keith, I wish I had earned more money. I wish I had spent more time at work. I wish I had spent more time on the internet. Never heard that. Never heard that. It, it sort of reminded me of when my brother and I used to play Monopoly. Usually it was over Christmas break. And we'd get right into it. I could see you guys getting into it, you know. Even when I'm talking, getting into it, you know. And we would just, you know, my brother was very competitive. And the money thing, I'd love it when I owned the boardwalk and charged my own brother rent. This is the way life should be, right? And I get caught up and it just seemed so real. But then, when the game was over, it all went back in the box. 
And that's the way it is in this temporary earthly life. Whatever kind of box you choose, it all goes back in the box. Only what's done for the Lord. Hold on, hold on. What did we hear Jesus teach us this morning from the Gospels? He said that there are three investments that you can make that will outlive you, outlast you. They are outside of the box. What are they? Watch this. When you pray, you're partnering with God for a, invest in a kingdom that will never, ever end, right? He was so clear about giving. Giving is storing up treasures in heaven. That's a place that will never pass away. We'll spend forever there. And when you serve people, you are serving those who will not perish but have everlasting life. So let's pray and let's say, God, if 2019 is going to be the best year ever, I'm going to need to invest with your three top recommended investments. Let's pray together. So Jesus, we've heard your words about investing our lives and we'll never have this year to do again. Here we are at the beginning of 2019. And Lord, you know our lives. You know our schedules. You know our work and school responsibilities. You know our family, personal issues. You know all. You know the whole package. And so we look to you. I, I pray that no one of us will try and do too much. But I pray that every one of us will do what you want us to do. So right now we pray for you for wisdom. Help us to not do 2019 just the same way we did 2018. Lord, help us to have the best year ever when it comes to these three investments. We can all do that. So navigate each of us. We look to you. Our priority is to love you with all of our hearts. But Lord, we want to express that priority in the way we invest our days and our money and our prayers and our time and our love for people. So Lord, give us wisdom. We pray that. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.